Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is a social selling expert and has been working in the sales industry for the past 12 years. His career began in the UK back in 2008 working in telesales and then went on to join LinkedIn, opening up the French market as their first ever employee in France. He spent six years working at LinkedIn and quickly rose through the ranks during his time. He held many different roles and was recognized as one of the top performers. Due to his success, he was then allocated to be one of the three sales leaders responsible for bringing LinkedIn to the Middle East and made the transition and moved to Dubai. From a young age, he was always interested in entrepreneurship and had dreams of opening up his own company. As a result of his experience working at LinkedIn and his deep understanding of social selling, back in 2019, he opened his company, Extra Mile. Extra Mile is a company where he helps businesses and leaders in the Middle East drive growth through social selling, social recruiting, and social leadership. During this episode, we discuss his career experience working at LinkedIn. He shares with us his knowledge surrounding social selling and building a strong network. And we talk about the importance of learning from our mistakes in order to grow. He has always believed that the key to successful selling is focused on building strong relationships and delivering true value to your clients. His ability to be consistent and persistent have been some of the major factors in his success. And the best piece of advice he wanted to share is to not focus on instant gratification, but rather to think and plan for the long term in your career and life. Please welcome to the show the founder and CEO of Extra Mile, the social selling expert himself, Mr. Guillaume Laron. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Very glad. I really appreciate it. So, Guillaume, me and you met or we got in touch through LinkedIn about two months ago. And I thought what you do and your experience is super interesting that now you have a company that's involved in digital selling and social selling and so on. But you have a background working at LinkedIn for many years. So I'm like, oh, OK, that must be really, really interesting. So I thought it'd be amazing to talk to you. And I think a lot of people could take something away from your experience. But before we get into all that kind of stuff, why don't you give everyone just a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, so thanks for the opportunity. Really glad to be here. It's the first time for me, but uh, I'll try to do my best <laughs> answering the, the best way the questions that you can ask. Um, well, um, so my name is Guillaume Laronde. I'm French. Uh, I've been in Dubai for eight years now. Uh, like you mentioned, I used to work at LinkedIn. I actually have, uh, a, let's say, an international experience where actually I lived seven years in London. Um, I've been in Dubai for eight years now, and uh, and I've been in sales all, you know, pretty much all my life. Um, started from tele-sales jobs to um, to managing a team in uh, in LinkedIn in Dubai, and now I set up my own business um, called Extra Mile, and to um, to focus on digital selling in uh, in in the region. In the region. Okay, so you've been working, I know, so you seven years in London, eight years in Dubai, and it sounds like you've been in sales for the majority of your life. So 15 years of sales experience, that's a long time to be, to be in sales. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what was your motivation for initially getting into sales? Were you always passionate about sales or how did you start like getting into sales? Um, so, well, so I, I, um, I, I studied in... Um, Universities have always been attracted to uh, math, math, okay. uh, science. I've always liked this uh, this field, and and only when I was around, you know, a teenager, um, I got exposed to economy, business, and I really kind of opened my eyes, uh, you know, with regards to entrepreneurship, being in control of your destiny, setting up your own business. Yeah. Um, and so I, I changed uh, I changed gears at university and went to um, to study economies, okay. and I did a master in management strategic, um, 
and you know business setup and uh, that led me after finishing my master to going to the UK uh, to learn um, English to be you know like to be fluent in English and I wanted to have an exposure internationally as well and and also what got me into sales is first of all in the UK with my level of English actually um, although I was always been academically very very strong in English but in France, it's not standard. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. when I actually ended up living in the UK, when you know when I moved to UK, uh, I was really rusted. I couldn't understand my year. You know, I did to develop to my year. So in a, in a nutshell, I ended up working in sales because that was the the easiest path in terms of opportunity for me as a French speaking person okay. to get a job in the UK yeah. in office an office job yeah. to start my career. And um, and also I I felt sales was really a, like a, a quality and a skill that I needed to develop, uh, you know, because it's really essential um, when it comes to business and business development and sales. If you want to set up your own business at some point, to have the understanding about you know sales. Yeah. So you know that's that's kind of the the reason why I ended up being there. Um, and I ended up working in a, in a, in a UK company in a, in, in London uh, as a telesales um, to look after the French market. Okay. And even at the time, um, I was doing okay. So the, you know, I was asking for more responsibility, and I ended up actually selling into the Middle East. Okay. So okay. that was my first kind of uh, uh, like experience experience within the Middle East. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, how long you said it took you a while for like your English to become like very comfortable? How long would you say it took you to like become f fully like comfortable and fluent in like your English? So I would say um, maybe six months. Six months only. That's a very short time. Yeah, because obviously I was. So for example, I remember um, I um, I challenged myself when I actually landed in 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 the UK in London. Um, you, you start looking for a flat and usually <laughs> you share flats with others sure and I ended up uh, sharing a flat with French other French people it was easy um, and as soon as I got a job within a month I I looked for uh, you know moving out I looked for uh, sharing a flat with British and English people English speaking ah, people okay so I actually left the French uh, flat sharing experience and then um, I kind of like challenged myself and actually moved out. Uh, so then it was very challenging as well because uh, you but have, it, you it, it, it helped a lot. You For know? sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> very interesting. I think that's very commendable to throw yourself into just a British household yeah. and try to learn the language. But if you picked it up in six months, that's amazing. Coming back to what you said. So... Uh, you always liked math and science, but you know, growing up, you started becoming interested in economics and like business. But I remember from uh, one of the one of the answers you gave to some of the questions was that when you were 15, you had a conversation with a man who really opened your eyes to like entrepreneurship and business, and that's why uh, you always knew from that age that you wanted to at some point own your own company. So tell us about the story. Who was this person, and what was it that like really like made it click for you that that's uh, what was, you wanted to? It, it, it was not a click. It was mainly the stories he was telling us about. Uh, you know, with regards to his, his uh, he was a financial director. He was uh, you know really high position in a in a logistic company, and uh, he was really interested in finance and business and. Uh, 
and so it gave us a lot of exposure um, to the way of doing business uh, at uh, you know at executive level. Mm. Um, so that was really opened my eyes when it comes to uh, potential entrepreneurship. We're talking about startups as well. That was just before the internet boom. So obviously th there were some you know external factors to to me you know opening my eyes and me um, seeing the opportunity and being interested in all the things than than math and and science. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's kind of a, an overall um, uh, you know context that pushed me to be more interested in that. Um, but yeah. And did you always have? Did you in your mind have a time frame as to when you would finally launch your own business, or was that like did that come with you know after all the years of experience that you've had? No, actually, the way it worked is that I, I was I was really. Um, you know, I didn't set up my... I, I had a goal, but uh, I thought I will learn along the way. As soon as the opportunity will come, at least I will have the sales experience. I will have the, the business, let's say, a general understanding about uh, how to run a business. Yeah. That's the reason why I chose the, the masters I chose. Um, and I felt, you know, trying to get exposure along the way to different functions and different experiences and so on, and then just being open to uh, to the opportunity and jumping on you know on the on the right one. And so the I think the one that um, you know I you know the thing is that you miss many opportunities. Everybody's got great ideas, million dollars of you know millions of dollars of ideas. Hundred percent. The main difference is actually people acting on that. Exactly. Taking, you know, make, you know, t making the jump, taking the risk, uh, going for it, and acting, and and so I think I missed a couple opportunities, um, some ideas that I had when I was in university, and then you know five years later just exist, you know. Exactly. Like, well, yeah. Um, but th the main thing is that you know, working at LinkedIn, I saw many opportunities when it came to um, education, consulting training companies, uh, going beyond what, you know, the usage of LinkedIn is and, and how companies really can leverage LinkedIn or how leaders can leverage LinkedIn in a more strategic way. Mm -hmm. And it's always been in my mind, uh, you know, back back in France. And and so I moved on, you know, with LinkedIn. I came in the Middle East. And then for me, I had a couple of opportunities after LinkedIn. And I felt like, okay, now is the time. I'm ready. I think there's still potential in the in the region to help companies with uh, with regard to digital selling or social business, you know, social business or social sure. strategy in general. Yeah. Um, but companies B two B, you know, like uh, really helping those B two B companies with regards to business related, um, uh, uh, let's say, actionable uh, methodologies, whether it's about recruitment or sales uh, or B two B marketing or, or just for leaders in terms of thought leadership. Exactly. So that, that's the idea, and mm. I thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna go for it. I did a bit of research. I found that there was still a gap in the market. There is still potential. Uh, obviously, now we are talking. There is COVID. Um, 
the, the transformation was happening, but obviously COVID accelerated. Uh, a lot of companies are asking themselves like, okay, we should go fully digital when it comes to sales, or we should be more, you know, present on, on social, online, uh, helping the sales team really, sh- re, you know, build relationship with customers and so on. So for yeah. business related reasons, COVID actually really accelerated that, that movement. That acceler- yeah, exactly. And so I really, it's kind of reinforcing the fact that I actually made the right decision. Uh, I think, you know, Maybe I, I, it's, you always want it to be uh, earlier than what you, you start, you know, when you started. I think, you know, um, I wish I was a bit earlier um, because then I would have been like benefiting from, from the support of the full fledged. But uh, in, in the end, it's, it's, uh, it's happening and I'm happy that it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I made that, that jump. That jump, yeah, exactly. And you know how a lot of, like, especially nowadays, entrepreneurship is so like, glorified everyone wants to start their own business everyone wants to do that but like you said correctly you decided to start your business after so many years <clears throat> working in the business world so learning how to run a business and different business functions and so on but i feel there's two schools of thought there are some people that believe um let's say you're a, you're a fresh graduate from university there's two arguments some people be like oh you want to be an entrepreneur go be an entrepreneur and like figure all that out as you go along and then there's others that are like no work in the corporate world for a few years and then start your own business so you can learn just how business works what which side would you fall on if you could go back would you go still do the route that you took or would you maybe go straight for entrepreneurship instead Mm, it's a good question um i think a little bit of both. I mean, it depends on the industry, it depends on your skill that you have. For example, fresh graduates who know how to code and are in computer science, they can build products from scratch. So the the risk is not that, you know, that high. big. Yeah. Um, if you are, a, you know, launching a business in other industries where um, cost for, you know, launching your business is higher, uh, competition is higher, you know, uh, building products is, you know, for the cost of building products is, is much higher, then it, it's going to, it's going to be completely different. So I will assume, I think, um, also, if you start, we've seen it, a lot of people have great ideas, they build great products, but they fail at managing. Yeah. They fail, uh, they fail at building a great culture. Yeah. They fail at, um, managing other people. Um, they, they, they fail when it comes to uh, building a great strategy. Mm. Uh, they fail at business, you know, business development, sales, and uh, building a relationship with partners and so on. So, th- you know, at the end of the day, even if the people are starting from scratch and from school, uh, they will make some mistakes. And then people that are maybe risk adverse and learning more and building their experiences and then deciding to launch later, they might have less, you know, um, let's say, um, they will have more experience, but they will also make some mistakes with regards to product and so on. So I think, you know, you know, it's hard to, uh, to, to tell you the, you yeah. know, like it, it really depends on the industries and people will be so, so super smart. They will be products and they will nail the, the, the culture and, uh, you know, managing people and so on and some others they will get their experience and they will still fail. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like you said, I think it's very subjective to industry. And I think it's also very subjective to a person's character because, you know, I think entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship has been pushed a lot, especially over the last like five to 10 years. But 
would you would you agree that not everyone has the skill set to be an entrepreneur? And even if they're not, that's perfectly fine. Lots of people have been successful in the corporate world, having careers for 20 plus years, and they've had a great life. So what yeah. would you say? I think everybody can do it. Okay. Um, everybody's got skills. Everybody's got strength. Um, some have more strength than others. Some have, um, you know... Um, but the, the thing is that, um, you know, starting a business, maybe you can start a business by yourself. Uh, building a business and, and having a successful business long, long term, you cannot do it by yourself alone. Yeah. So you need to, I think, um, to build a successful business, you need to actually build successful teams, founding team teams, yeah. and a leadership team, get, having great employees. And so you cannot really do it by yourself. So therefore, you need to find people that can complement your, your strength with you know, people that have other strengths. And yeah. So I think um, everybody can do it as long as they, rec- they are self-aware and they recognize their strength and their weaknesses and they are bringing other people that actually can complement their strengths. Yeah. So you know, to be honest, anyone, as long as they have the right idea and they are committed to you know, making that jump, um, everyone can make it. Yeah, I think that's a very good point that I didn't consider before that anyone can, as long as you put the right team and get the right people in place to be successful in whatever industry that you're looking to be in. I, didn't, I don't think that's something I'd considered before, so that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, now, you've been in sales for over 15 years. So what is the thing that you enjoy most about selling? Because I know you started off in like as a sales rep, but then you became a sales manager. So I'm curious, do you, did you get more satisfaction when you were a sales rep and you hit your target, or when you were a sales manager and your team, you manage your team to successfully hit their target? Um, it's different, to be honest. I think um, it's a different uh, kind of excitement and kind of uh, uh, joy. The, you know, when, when you, close a deal uh, and it's well done and you know that you added value to the customer and it's been done well and the customer is happy and you're happy. Um, the, the tougher the job was, whether it was a long, um, long process or uh, you got competition involved and it was tough and, and finally it, it went through, uh, there is a sense of relief and achievement that uh, is really amazing. Like, it's really great. Um, Again, when it's going to be, when you are a manager and it's your team, I've got to be honest, um, it's um, a different process. So, for example, you will have such a great excitement as well and achievement when someone that you know struggled or someone that you built, you know, you you build their skills over time and then uh, they they land or they they close a big deal or they they land a big deal. That's amazing and you are super happy for them as well. Um, and when it's a team effort where, for example, you achieve a team number or team targets yeah. at the end of the year, this is, again, amazing. Um, you know, you, so, for example, uh, my first year as a manager uh, at LinkedIn, um, we had, because it, it was the first uh, year for me as a manager, and also we built a new team. So we had pretty much half of the team were you know, starting at LinkedIn as well. So there was a ramp period, there was a lot of training. They, they had to understand the business and clients and, uh, 
So we, I remember we started the, the last quarter of the year with a, a, a negative uh, gap. We okay. needed to bri bridge the gap yeah. to actually at least be on target with regards to the year-to-date yeah. target. And exactly. then we needed to close the quarter as well. So we started the last quarter with a, with a backlog. Yeah. And so we, 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 we put things in place. We, you know, the, the team done a phenomenal job. I tried to do everything I, you know, everything I could give them in terms of motivating them and, and being there for them and so on. And we, we ended up uh, achieve, overachieving. So it, that sense of achievement was obviously shared. I was so happy that they achieved yeah, individually improved. and exactly. collectively we actually made it as well. And I've got to say, you know, it's a different uh, excitement, but... Uh, yeah, they, they are both uh, they are both amazing. Yeah, and I think you made a good point that there are different types of joy and different types of excitement. Because one, it's very individualistic because it's yourself. You're going, you're putting in the work, you're closing that deal. And then when you have a team, it's empowering them and giving them the right tools and strategies and processes so you collectively can hit that goal. So I can see how it's two different things. Mm. Why don't you? Could you please walk us through like the whole? I know you were sort of LinkedIn for six years, so and I know you're also the first employee for LinkedIn in France, so that must have been pretty exciting to see and to go from the first employee to I don't know how many employees in LinkedIn grew over in that time that you were there. So walk us through that whole LinkedIn experience. How was that for you? Um, okay, so I joined LinkedIn in end of 2009. At the time, uh, I was in London. The, the only office outside the US was in London. Okay. Um, and at the time, there were around 25 employees in London. So, and I think globally, LinkedIn was around 500 employees. Okay. So basically... Mid-size. Everybody in the U.S. and 25 outside the U.S. in London. Um, so I joined the team in London to look after the French market. At yeah. the time, they, you know, they were covering everything outside the, uh, outside the U.S. was managed uh, through uh, London, I believe. And um, and they hired me uh, to look after the French market to start, you know, building relationship with customers and going to France and and you know, um, so so it, it was uh, very interesting because it was just after the the crisis. Yeah, uh, economies were recovering. Uh, UK was um, um, getting better, but France there is a little bit always. Um, uh, uh, you know, inertia with France in terms of like uh, picking back up, okay. uh, picking things uh, back up. So it took a bit longer to, for France to reopen, to unfreeze recruitment. Mm -hmm. And I was looking after the, uh, the talent solutions uh, business or so corporate solutions at LinkedIn, helping companies uh, with LinkedIn uh, when it comes to helping those companies recruit and use LinkedIn for recruitment and branding themselves as employee of choice okay so um i was going you know in france and uh, meeting companies and and uh, because i was the only and the first representative at the time uh there was a direct competitor in france oh really of linkedin called viadeo okay and there were 200 employees they were the french startup so they were really uh popular um they were you know, um, considering LinkedIn as the invader, the big American company, yeah. uh, bulldozer, crushing everything, not really uh, uh, lo localizing LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, you know. So 
So I was facing this, and obviously there was the crisis. And then we, you know, I, I really educate, spend a lot of time educating, meeting people. Uh, there were amazing people helping me and recognizing the value of LinkedIn. So um, there were a couple of great influencers and 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 people that um, really helped me. Um, uh, you know, connecting me, introducing me, and uh, I ended up doing an event at uh, the Crillon for the first uh, LinkedIn event in France, uh, which is a pal palace in, in, in Paris. Uh, we got half of the, uh, you know, we had the HR uh, executives from half of the CAC 40, which is the, you know, like the FTSE in London. Okay. Or, so half of those massive publicly best companies in France uh, were represented at the first uh, LinkedIn event in Paris. I spoke to La Sorbonne. So like for me, I was uh, in my third, you know, like early 30s and I was really getting those opportunities to speak and to, to represent LinkedIn. And so that, that was amazing. Um, uh, going to those companies as well, like L'Oreal and LVMH. And, you know, it was All amazing boys, to go yeah. to, those, to those HQs and... Uh, uh, you know, so that, that was incredible. Um, also, being part of the first launch of LinkedIn in France and opening the office, you know, being part of the recruitment, helping those 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 people being ramped up and being trained, and, and that was incredible. That was amazing. Um, and then after, I got the opportunity to come to the Middle East and kind of reboot a little bit uh, the experience um, when it comes to um, starting the three of us in uh, GLT and. And uh, opening, uh, you know, moving into an office in Internet City and recruitment and training. And so, you know, in, in Dubai, we started the three of us within two or three years. We were 60. Wow. Okay. Um, and so that the beauty of LinkedIn was like they were really betting big on hyper growth, growing as yeah. fast as possible, opening office as offices as fast as possible, building relationship with customers and acquiring new customers as fast as possible. And being part of this uh, journey was amazing. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, it so that sounds like a, such a great story because it sounds like because you were, I guess, one of the first people for LinkedIn or the first for LinkedIn in France and you had to go and start building those relationships in a market where there was a competitor that was already, you know, quite popular. Would you say because of those experiences and having the opportunity to speak at like La Sorbonne and stuff like that really accelerated your career growth because you were, you were having to do so much at, at like so much can, like all together? Yes, of course. I mean, the, the uh, first of all, for example, within six or five to six years at LinkedIn, every year was a different role. Okay. So um, uh, LinkedIn was structuring and maturing as well as an organization and as well as obviously going in the hyper growth mode a lot of things were changing uh, um, um, so that that was it and then every year I was actually because I was moving to different teams or the teams were growing or of opening offices so you know every time it was a different different uh, experience so Within France, it, obviously, everything, you know, a lot of things have changed every year, and it was amazing for me give, getting all of that exposure. And obviously, the same in Dubai. When I came to Dubai, I remember I was so many, uh, I was flying so many times on Emirates that I became a gold member within a year. <laughs> so, you know, I was, you know, traveling all over the region, and, uh, you know, all of this experience was, uh, was uh, fantastic for me. And so I, I, I also being recognized as, uh, 
you know, transformation is a big value at LinkedIn uh, as part of the culture, and that was recognized as, uh, as you know, being uh, a person you know, representing or impersonating that, that value transformation. Um, so that, that was, you know, it, it, it shows that, yes, obviously a lot of things have changed for me and yeah. personally, you know, as well. Yeah, and I think being because you had so many different roles in, in such a short amount of time, you're probably exposed to so many different areas of the business and probably had a much better idea of, I guess, what the future of things like LinkedIn and how important it would be like in today's like society. And one thing that you said that was interesting is that you were selling, working with companies uh, from a talent recruitment perspective. And now, as you know, LinkedIn is probably one of the number one places where people find jobs and so on. And now, especially with covid I think that, like you said earlier, it just accelerated everything and the need for like LinkedIn and all these kind of companies. So let's say I'm, because this might be useful to someone now looking for a job and from someone who is an expert and was uh, like building those kind of profiles, how would you, what are the things that an employee would be looking for like on LinkedIn? What does my profile need to look like to make a, a potential uh, company like look, be interested in me? How do I start to stand out from like the rest? So as an employee? And the, and, as an employee trying to get a job. Okay. Um, so the first thing that I recommend everybody is like really being laser focused. A lot of people, when they are looking for jobs, they are not desperate, but they, they really want to keep their options open. Yes. And so by doing that, you tend to, uh, try to target as many companies being open for any opportunities and by not really being specializing and focusing on the right companies or a very selected amount of companies then, or a specific industry, then you tend to not being as attractive okay. as you could to very few. Because if you are aiming for too many, your profile is not attractive to any in okay. a way. Interesting. So, you know, you need to be found first of all. Yeah. And, and recruiters in companies... Uh, especially within you know this this context of coronavirus, with actually a lot of you know people being laid off exactly, or yeah. looking for jobs, the um, the 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 demand is really high, uh, and the supply in terms of job is is low. So uh, employers have like a, lo a lot like of thousands. choice. Yeah, exactly. And so um, you know they they will do uh, their search within their database and uh, look at the profile of candidates who apply to their jobs. Uh, usually they have so many so many you know you know like um, uh, candidates interested in and when they post jobs uh, they don't even look at the, the the candidates that applied in the past. They would actually just post the job and they will look at the candidates who just applied to that job. Really? Usually, right? Okay. So the because, most recent candidates? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because you know for sure that they are actually right now looking and they are ah, in, okay. in, in the market now. Yeah. You, you might not want to look at other people that you might not know for sure if they are still interested or actually they, maybe they got a job. Mm. So okay. the thing is that, um, again, being laser focused uh, is going to help you optimize your profile. <clears throat> optimize your activities on LinkedIn and optimize your chances of getting the, the attention uh, from the right uh, type of companies, the right type of people in those companies. Yeah. And so being prepared as well is really key because again, if you are leaving your options open to, you know, hoping for the best and being kind of as open as possible to many companies, you're not going to be able to research very specifically an industry or mm. a 
a, a selected uh, list of companies. So, <coughs> so obviously, again, being laser focused, spending time researching, spending time relation, building relationship with the right people in the in the dream companies that you love to to uh, to go to, and 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 being persistent and consistent will actually help you Much build more. those relationships. Mm. So when there are opportunities. You already built that relationship. You already built that knowledge about the industry and the company itself. So then there will be you will be on their radar, or and, mm. and you will be probably you know uh, uh, front and center when it comes to actually if obviously you have the the right skills Skill and set, so yes. on and so forth. Yeah. Um, one thing that I learned at LinkedIn and that kind of told me is the maturity of the the, the leaders who join LinkedIn as well. When I was you know, uh, a young professional, I could hear some conversations and I heard once one of the leader where the way he got LinkedIn was, he got at LinkedIn was he selected, uh, he, he built a selection of 10 companies that based on criteria that he wanted to go into based on the potential of the companies, the culture, um, the size, etc. And, and and then he built relationship with those companies. Yeah. So he, and that was it. And then he landed at LinkedIn. And okay. so it just shows the the different mindsets of people who mm. actually really care about their career, what cho- company they choose to work for because it makes sense for their career development and with regards to their you know their, their career and it changed the you know cool. it, it it changed your career yeah. from you know randomly landing a job to a company that you applied out of many and they found you randomly and so on, you know, and being laser focused on maybe 10 companies that you choose to go after because that's your choice. You decide who you go, who you want to work for based mm. on your career aspiration and the potential of those companies. And, and you, you work on those, you know, those, uh, 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 those companies by doing your research, building the relationships and so on. So totally yeah. different approach. And today LinkedIn is a fantastic tool for actually doing the research, finding the right people, building those relationships ahead of time, uh, taking coffees with people who are in the companies in different decision-making positions, yeah. HR, recruitment, or business lines that you know you work at. You want to be interested in as well. And, yeah. and, and also you can actually find ex-employees of that company to actually even you know, have conversations with understanding the culture. Yeah. Because when a company is recruiting, they will, they will tell you, they will sell you the yeah. company as well. Exactly. Yeah. But actually, hearing what the company is about from ex-employees will will remove that filter. Yeah. And you will get a lot more uh, authentic feedback from from ex-employees. You know, they they don't have any. Yeah, any, the, any problem anymore telling you know the, exactly the, how it the, is the real the reality. So yeah. There is so much information you can get out of LinkedIn, so many people you can access, access to. And if you really care about your career, you need to be proactive about it. Proactive. I think that's amazing <laughs> advice. And it's so, it's so almost counterintuitive to the way even I've applied to jobs in the past. And I think the way many people do that, we think you need to cast the widest net possible. And hopefully, like you were saying, one of them will fall instead of flipping it and just being more concise and focused and putting in the work and research to get really target the kind of company you want to work for. I think that's really, really interesting. It almost flips it completely on its head. But that moves us perfectly on to our next question. And since you're the LinkedIn expert, so now now that I, I'm, let's say I'm looking for 10, I've picked my 10 companies, I want to do my research on them. How do I start going about 
building my network. How do what? How do I start building a strong network for you know to start getting me maybe into those companies or getting me into whatever kind of career or opportunities I'm looking for? Because I also think that sometimes people might be a bit hesitant or like maybe shy to like reach out to someone they don't know on LinkedIn and start building that kind of relationship. So what advice would you have about you know building a network and those kind of relationships? Okay, so. Again, start with yourself and your goals and your objectives, okay? Okay. Start with the industry you want to work for long term. Start with the companies that will help you get there. Um, and, 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 and in terms of networking, it's super easy to find people on LinkedIn, right? So you have advanced search. I'm not going to go into the details, but a lot of people just search by name, Obviously, if you don't know, you know, the, the, the name of the people in HR or in the business line that you work in, in at Google or at the companies that you, you want to get a job at, Alphotime, Alshaya, Emirates, and so on, you know, you need to know how to search Okay. if you don't know the people's names. Yeah. So you need to find them. So you need to search by keywords with functions, with uh, company names based on job titles using boolean like uh, uh, head or director or manager and sales or hr or you know whatever so then you actually use those boolean terms to be able to do more you know effective searches on linkedin to find people based not on their name but on their job title okay then once you find those people uh, usually uh, there are two ways of going about it. <clears throat> if you don't prior research, you try to connect with people within the right companies already. Not necessarily in the top level positions or critical you know, functions, but you just build your network with other employees in the company. And those are easy to find because you might have already a network, you might have already connections, and you can actually find connections in common that you know that can introduce you to other people in that company. Yeah. Whoever they are. Sure. And then once you have a couple of connections in the companies that you focus on and you target, then when you find those decision makers based on the advanced search, based on functions or job titles, you might have more chances of actually having people, you know, people in common with those decision makers. So then it's easier to get an introduction or to refer those people that you know already, it will give you more credibility and it will actually give you a kick when it comes to, uh, like a boost when it comes to reaching out. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's an easy one that most people don't realize that you're just connecting with people and over time using touch points, using content, using insights, uh, commenting on their content, liking, um, you know, it doesn't need to be in person and calls. It can be just complement complementing you don't like us we started just exchanging on linkedin yeah. and then after we took a call right so it's the same with people you might have touch points and then you have this familiarity and then you actually have this this kind of a, okay that makes sense you know why not sure. i mean i've seen his content he liked my content i like this content he's credible he's we know people in common why not having a call you know so Networking is really investing time on mm. building those relationships, yeah. finding the right people, and doesn't need to be a direct, you know, uh, outreach, a direct connection request. But it can be more subtle than that through touch points, through understanding that person, looking at the content, 
liking or having those touch points and those interactions through LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it, yeah. it can be as well. And the whole point is over time, then you will have the confidence to reach out to the right people because you will already have maybe five, ten other employees in the same company and yeah. they might know two in common with you. So it's going to be easier when it comes to networking. And it's the same for sales. It's the same for exactly. finding a job. It's yeah. the same for looking for talent. Um, um, it's, it's the same for, for example, for students uh, finding mentors or finding internships. So yeah, you, you have the, the same kind of methodology applies for a lot Across of... the board. Yes. Yeah. And it sounds like your, your network or the, the type of people you have in your network kind of gives you on LinkedIn, whether it's in the same company or not, it kind of gives you some form of credibility as to who this person is because it kind of is like... Why is this person connected with this person? Let me dig a little deeper. Absolutely. It might be interesting to find out why, you know, there's this connection or what's the reason behind it. So it does give you that, like, I guess, credibility badge so people are more interested to speak to you. Yeah. 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 And when you, so after leaving LinkedIn, I know you decided that you wanted to launch now Extra Mile and it's been going for, I think, a year or two years yes. now, a year or two years. So what was the motivation behind Extra Mile? Uh, tell us all about it. When, how does it all work? Okay, so, uh, well, the, the short story is that I always wanted to set up my own business. Actually, back in London, like I mentioned to you, um, I had an episode between two jobs. I set up my own business. Without doing that, I would not have that job at LinkedIn. Because okay. what they liked was the entrepreneurship and, um, you know, mindset, doing things by yourself and, and starting things. So. I, you know, it, although it was not the industry I liked and it was not really um, uh, my passion, I really loved the research and building something from scratch. And actually, you know, although it was not my passion, actually, I think it's one of the reasons why LinkedIn considered me and I got the job. Um, so no regrets. I think the reason why I, I started Extra Mile is, like I said, I always wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to set up something and, and start my own company. And um, I was waiting for the right opportunity. Working at LinkedIn allowed me to build uh, two things. Um, sales competency, you know. Again, I'm not the greatest salesperson, salesman on earth. Absolutely not. I think I'm quite average. I think I'm, I'm actually, um, what makes me good and, you know, I, th I think if I was bad, I would not have, you know, had, you know, w worked in sales for, for, uh, for around 15 years. Or it is uh, the fact that I really cared about customers. I was looking at sales as a way of solving problems. Um, uh, I was always trying to be kind of a consultative and, and being mm. consultant, understanding customers, trying to really help them. And, and something we didn't talk about was, I always felt weird about sales. I talked about sales and um, and what got me into sales and uh, what uh, what I liked in sales uh, when it comes to closing deals and so on. Yeah. But something that kind of literally changed my mindset when it comes to sales is when I was in London, I worked for a business intelligence company and um, I really felt interrupting customers. You know, obviously LinkedIn was... Uh, English-speaking platform at the time. It was not yet uh, even translated in uh, other languages than English. And so I was looking for customers, uh, prospects, but I felt like every time I was reaching out, I was interrupting. Uh, it was not really a good, good feeling mm. uh, for them and for me. And, and what 
changed my mindset was the book called Go Giver. Yeah, you mentioned this to me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so that changed my mindset. I, I really became uh, focused on customers, understanding them more, doing more research. And, and that changed my, um, it makes me, made me more confident. Um, and, and so, you know, in terms of sales, that's what, what made shift. me. So, so why I created Extra Mile was I felt like I had that uh, experience in sales and I had the expertise of LinkedIn working there and using LinkedIn day in and out for my job in sales, reaching out to customers, building relationships on LinkedIn. And I felt like um, there was uh, an opportunity for me to educate even further um, LinkedIn customers or companies or sales organizations, you know, with B2B sales teams because uh, LinkedIn is an essential tool when it comes to prospecting and building relationship and generating more revenue and starting more conversation or retaining customers by actually, you know, nurturing those conversations between in-person meetings. Yeah. Now there is not in-person meetings anymore, but it used to be. And between those in-person meetings, you needed to be front and center and helping carrying on delivering value to customers online yeah. through sharing insights, emails, but, you know, so LinkedIn was a fantastic tool to monitor customers because you could see when they were sharing, when they were commenting, when they were uh, liking other people's content. And then that's information and insights you could actually act on yeah. um, to nurture those, those, those relationships. So with the expertise of LinkedIn and the experience that I had in sales, I felt like there is a, there is a, a need for um, uh, consulting and training around digital sales and social selling in the region. Yeah. This is something that has been existing for years in the US and I felt, and LinkedIn was obviously a, a big company when it comes to uh, this methodology and applying to ourselves. And I felt like there are customers of LinkedIn in the region. Uh, there are customers using you know, uh, the sales tool and sales navigator and other things. Uh, but I feel like there is a big need and the gap between the way they use the tools and the methodologies they apply and uh, what could be doing, uh, could they could be doing or what they could get out of their investment in LinkedIn or yeah. uh, just social selling in general. Exactly. Because yeah. social selling is not related to LinkedIn specifically. It's really about uh, digital broadly, social media and digital. Yeah. So that's the idea. And, and I felt like there was a gap and I felt like, um, well, there is no one really focusing on that in the region. So I wanted to, to set up my own business and, and, and help those companies who, um, who, who would be, let's say, uh, open to the idea of actually really implementing a, a social selling strategy yeah. to actually be more successful when it comes to sales. Yeah. And you said that also, like you said, in the social selling has been around for a very long time, particularly, you know, in the US and in the West. But sometimes in other parts of the world and other countries, there's almost a lag time, you said, in adoption of those like, you know, the like the latest practices and so on. So what are some of the things that when you came here that you found or maybe are still are that are now you've been running the business for a year. Are most companies still lacking in that adoption or is everyone slowly now beginning to realize the importance of you know, implementing these kind of strategies? So there, there is not really a lot of data around that. Um, okay. Uh, because, you know, LinkedIn releases uh, reports every year, you know, state of sales reports. Um, 
there are some reports going out in the US and in, uh, in the West, in Europe and so on. Um, there is nothing really allowing us to compare um, the adoption of social selling, for example, in UAE or in the Middle East with regards to others. Okay. Um, LinkedIn has got the, a, an index called uh, Social Selling Index, yep. called SSI. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they have information when it comes to the average SSI of salespeople in UAE or by country, and they can compare between countries. Yeah. Um, I think also, you know, some global companies like Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and so on, they are, they've been adopting social selling for years now. So, and those programs have been around globally. So the, the, the offices in Dubai or in the Middle East of Oracle, they've been adopting, adopting and that, yeah. executing those strategies when it comes to digital sales and social selling for, for years. So there, there is, and you know, salespeople and employees are moving across companies. So it, it ends up actually you know, uh, leveling up the, uh, the, 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 the countries. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, of course, there is a small gap, I would say. Sure. sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's taking off and uh, I hope I will contribute as well. <laughs> no, I'm sure, I'm sure you will. I think, uh, like you said, there is, an, there is a gap here and I think there's a big need for a lot of companies to start implementing that kind of stuff here. At least from the conversations that I'm ha- I have with my friends who work at various companies, that is one thing that does come up and you're like, okay, it's interesting that that's not like top of mind for them. Yeah. And one thing that was interesting that uh, you told me is that now there's, uh, I can't remember what the numbers were, but the number of decision makers involved in any, in any process have gone up from like four, 5.4 to 6.8. So is that why social selling right now is so crucial? Because it kind of helps you bypass those early decision makers faster? Or how does that play into, you know, that kind of... That no, kind it's, of it's, it's, uh, so Forrester has released this uh, report a couple yeah. of years ago. And... Um, and the forecast was uh, to have around 10 decision. So in the B2B um, uh, decision-making process, uh, when it comes to purchasing, um, they were, in their report, they were showing that the, 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 the purchasing process was actually including more decision-makers. Yeah. Um, and, so, and they were basically forecasting around 10 by 2020. So, you know, and it, it's true that uh, companies have a uh, lot more uh, functions involved in uh, decisions and, and purchasing decisions. So from a B2B standpoint and B2B sales, uh, in, in the B2B sales industry, uh, salespeople need to bring more or at least be aware, identify more this potential decision makers who might be involved in the decision making process. Yeah. So actually, you know, identifying them earlier on will allow you to build those relationships earlier on. Yeah, exactly. And will actually be able to uh, uh, prevent or at least um, uh, initiate those conversations before you find out by surprise that there are people at the table that you haven't, you didn't even know about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you you start you can educate them early on, you can influence them early on, you can be there and support them early on, and that will actually obviously help, uh, you know, get the deal, you know, get get the the deal uh, progress, progress faster. Yeah. Um, and usually it also brings the value of the deal up. 
Yeah, exactly. And one thing that you were talking about, because um, I know you guys do social selling, digital marketing, and social recruiting. So you've been going now for about a year. Which of those three areas have you seen is, I guess, the most challenging areas or the areas that people aren't, haven't really adopted so much? And where, which areas do you see have the biggest potential for like growth and like revenue? So I've got, so I used to be a LinkedIn talent solution. So I, we used to help organizations with regards to um, uh, recruitment and employer branding. Yeah. And I've got to say LinkedIn, uh, the, the value for companies uh, adopting uh, LinkedIn talent solutions is much greater uh, than other uh, solutions that LinkedIn offers. So okay. uh, the adoption of the LinkedIn as a tool for recruitment is huge. Okay. And that's the reason why it's also um, a business line that's generating most revenue for LinkedIn as a, as a, as a business. Really? Globally. Okay, interesting. So the LinkedIn corporate solutions when it comes to recruitment is the biggest uh, revenue, uh, revenue stream when it comes to LinkedIn. Um, uh, the second one is uh, related to marketing products, yeah. advertising, and so on. And you also have the new kid on the block, the sales solution, which is around helping organizations with regards to sales. Yeah. So with Sales Navigator and, and all, all of that. So in terms of the adoption in the region, if we're talking about the Middle East, um, there is a much much greater penetration when it comes to LinkedIn uh, talent solutions. Okay. Um, and obviously, the, it depends what, what you mean by potential, because obviously, that means there are more customers that are using LinkedIn and mm. they could be benefiting of optimizing um, and, and you know maximizing the ROI of yeah. their investment with LinkedIn when it comes to recruitment and so on. Obviously, right now, companies don't recruit that much. Hopefully, it's going to pick up now. Um, when it comes to sales, the same. It's even more critical for organizations to sell and to generate revenue. Yeah. However, a lot of organizations are not yet mature, mature to the point where um, they have a, a redefined strategy when it comes to social selling and so on. They might you know, occasionally... Uh, leverage LinkedIn as part of other uh, sources for generating leads and then marketing might be focused on social media marketing as well yeah. and sales might be using LinkedIn randomly as act of you know random act of uh, social selling but mm. there is not really a structured uh, strategy for the online for the organization yeah, yeah 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 so that's what you know in terms of potential depends because if you look at the market yes there is a greater potential for social recruitment but the the maturity is there already and the the the, the gap for maximizing the roi is much much uh, smaller, smaller yeah. than for example for the social selling which you know the potential is huge because every company in the region is pretty much focus on generating revenue yep. out of the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and the adoption of social selling as a methodology is much, much, uh, much, uh, much smaller. Much smaller, yeah. So there is greater potential on that as well. Okay, so the fact that, so, okay, and that makes perfect sense as to why you focused on like social selling for like your business as like one of the key, key areas if, that, if the potential for that is much greater. So let's say I'm, I know it's very, probably very industry, industry specific and, you know, business specific, but let's say I'm a client, I come to you, I'm like, Guillaume, I would like to, build out my social selling strategy what are the components or what it, what advice would you give to companies or like people who are looking to have a nice strong social selling strategy so the first thing is understanding where they are coming from 
And what do you, you mean cannot, by that? Well, you, you cannot really help them get there, get where they want to be if you don't understand you know, where they are today and where they're coming from and why they get there. Okay. Uh, they got there. So um, we do uh, uh, assessments. We understand um, through surveys and assessments and discovery interviews, we discuss with uh, leaders. Uh, usually we bring to the table marketing, uh, the marketing function, the sales function. Sometimes they have uh, um, learning and development or sales enablement uh, or sales ops. Uh, you also want to bring to the table the executive team, for example, or CEO or managing partner, depending on the size of the organization. Yeah. Um, and understanding where they are all coming from, the business objectives, uh, you know, and, and, and the situation today in terms of doing a small assessment of the team. Okay. Because again, assessing the team will allow the sales leaders sometimes to discover the maturity of their team when it comes to using social, social uh, media or digital tools or uh, you know social selling in general. And when you say maturity, are you talking about how comfortable the team is using those type of tools, or their awareness or understanding of how to implement, you know, um, that kind of stuff? So uh, maturity w when it comes to the usage, the current usage. Okay. Okay. Um, and and um, because the usage will give you a, a big indicator whether uh, they get it, mm. um, how much they get it, what kind of you know uh, uh, functionality they use and which functionality they don't use yet, and that will give you a good uh, uh, understanding of where they are. Where they are. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, giving this knowledge and this assessment to the, uh, in terms of visibility to the to the leadership team, the sales uh, team, the marketing team, and so on, and, 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 and aligning with regards to where they're coming from, their current situation, and what they want to be, their goals or their revenue goals or their business goals, and are trying to actually build a program to get them there. Okay, okay. So it starts, first of all, from the story, understanding where they were, how did they get here, and where do you want to go? And I guess one of the key things that you talked about, like you said, is the maturity or the use of, of their teams or their companies in that social in the social space and you build and you help consult with them and building out a strategy on how to improve that to get to where they're yeah. trying to go okay yeah. okay um and if i may actually i i, I design a small assessment and okay. my, my goal is to actually have a small assessment that is publicly available so actually every year we get enough data to do an annual report okay so we can do some some kind of annual report based on this is the maturity of sales teams by, by industry, you know, ah, or, okay. you know, yeah, or yeah. Um, this is the maturity by functional seniority. So like salespeople who are, you know, in, in, in individual contributor roles, this is the maturity, uh, sales leaders, this is the maturity when it comes to social selling. So then we can actually do a report by country or by, you know, for example, within UAE by function or by industry. So then it's really good for companies to be able to see my company, how do I, you know, how do, yeah, I, where do I stand? Yeah, with other companies in my space. Yeah, um, and so you know, this assessment that we we are we are doing, we we are doing a, a, a detailed one for companies, like a custom one. But I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm about to actually, you know, have a, an assessment that is uh, that is publicly available. So then this this data will be you know uh, used for doing a, a, an annual report. Okay, and I think that's actually, one of the goals. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea because, like you said, getting insights into first of all the overall scene, you know, in the industry here, and like you said, looking at as your company being like, okay, how are they using it, and where, 
how successful are they? Is it because of their social strategy? You know, it just gives you so much more insights into that world and the potential and the progress of that world and maybe where you should be focusing yeah. your attention. Yeah, no, I think so, that's a great idea. And it serves two purposes. One is about individuals. Yeah. Because as a, as a sales leader, as a sales professional, I can compare myself. I can actually do the assessment and very quickly get a score. And I can actually see where do I compare mm. uh, versus other, peop- other sales individuals in my space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the same for sales leaders. So then very quickly you get a, a feedback. And then all this information can actually be also used for an annual report. So then, you know, you can actually get some insights in the region as well. Yeah. So you're giving them very detailed and specific business insights. At, com- at company level at as com- well. So then yeah, you have exactly. individual level and then you can actually have a company level kind of annual report as well. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think that's a very good idea. And I think a lot of people will be very interested in finding out, you know, where they stand in whatever industry they're in. Um, I One of the questions I was thinking about and was... What advice would you give to your younger self after all your years of work and experience? And one thing you said was, you said, gain experience quicker. Now, I don't, and that was interesting to me because I don't know how you can, let me ask you about this. Do you believe experience is accomplishment based or do you think experience is time based? Because you can have experience in a field for a long time, but not grow. So do you have a lot of experience and you can do, accomplish a lot of things in a short time. So you maybe you have different experience. What would you say when you say I could get experience faster? What did you mean by that? Because in six years you did a lot. So, so yeah, the, the, so one of the thing that I, it's so cliche to quote one of the CEOs and so on, right? But um, I've got to say at LinkedIn, I got ex- exposure to great leaders. Um, um, the CEO of LinkedIn, Jeff Winner, who's, who's left uh, a couple of months ago, um, He's still at LinkedIn, but uh, uh, he's not the CEO anymore. Um, I I, I saw an interview of him saying, actually, uh, how to get experience is by making mistakes. How do you stop making mistakes? By getting experience. Okay. So basically, there is no other choice. You only gain experience by actually making mistakes. And how to avoid mistakes is by, you know, through experience. So... um, it's, it's that simple and it's so true and they resonated with me. Obviously, it was uh, later, like I wish I knew about it or at least it was so clear. Like sometimes there are things you feel yeah. and then you actually get it so clear to you. It comes through. Like, so I really feel like what I mean by, uh, by, by, by that is uh, I wish I, 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 you know, making mistakes early on and learning from those mistakes is something that uh, allows people to develop much faster. Okay, I see. Um, obviously, repeating the same mistakes is a is a is a is a is a is a, is a, is a given, and and getting exposure to making those mistakes, trying new things, and so on, will actually gain you a lot more um, experience much faster. So that that's that's my answer to to your question. Yeah. And, and I think. Um, there are things that you will figure out and you will get it right and that's great and sometimes you will try to improve and then you will realize that was a mistake and you will mm. go back to the things that you you know you did right in the first in the first uh, instance for example at LinkedIn uh, in my first year at LinkedIn in France I was uh, um, I, I one of the strategy was I, re- I was by myself and I felt there was a lot of agencies that were specializing in HR, communication, and so on. 
that companies were relying on for buying social media advertising and buying, you know, then LinkedIn was cat being categorized as a social media platform. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to HR, they were going through those agencies. And agencies were used to use job boards, like they used to buy job boards and LinkedIn was not a job board and we were much more expensive than job boards. So I spent time educating those agencies, for example, a lot of time and explaining, going, doing presentations and so on, thinking that they will relay the information to, to their clients and they will position LinkedIn in a, in a, in a much more efficient way that, and they had already the relationship rather than me by myself alone going and seeing all those okay. clients. Yeah. And, and it didn't really work out because I think the, you know, the position of LinkedIn was so different for them, they still try to position LinkedIn as another job board. Okay. And, 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 and basically I ended up reversing my strategy and going after, obviously, I was also in parallel going after uh, companies and, yeah. you know, meeting those, those kind of clients and building those relationships with companies as well. And I ended up kind of like um, stopping my strategy with partners. And, uh, and the reputation I built within a year was like when people took over, because obviously we built the team, we opened the office. People were actually going after, you know, going and, and meeting partners and the reputation, I was like, Guillaume was always saying no to us. <laughs> so, and one of the big learning was actually not being afraid of saying no, uh, okay. because at the beginning I was always saying yes, yes, yes. Um, but I ended up like wasting, not wasting time, but it was not really the best uh, use of my time and okay. really like saying no. And, you know, so again, I, I could have made a mistake. I could have learned faster. I mm. could have not reacted fast enough and I could have been out of LinkedIn because like LinkedIn is not good. You know, Guillaume is not good enough. Mm. So, you know, I think you can make mistakes learning from that as soon as possible and avoiding them. It's, it's, it's going to be a, this is the way you, you build your experience. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to look at it is to, you know, like make the mistakes and get that experience because it's, it's almost two sides of the same coin. Like that quote that you said, I think it's perfect, says it perfectly. Um, when you're talking about the making mistakes and like in that example uh, that you just mentioned, is it about being brave enough or willing to take a, like a risk or to like change something very quickly? Or is, is that what it comes down to? Because you said I could have done that earlier, but I was saying yes, yes, yes for a long time. So if you're maybe more willing to take that risk to say no from the beginning, you might have learned it faster. And, and is, that what, is that what you're kind of talking about? Um you know it it really depends i mean s some people will say no right away and they will get it right away and um and some others will um will keep saying yes so um yeah i mean i, I think it's just uh, some people are you know really it will depend yeah. uh it will depend on the situation it will depend i think it's 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 not necessarily taking risks so for example Again, one of the value of LinkedIn is uh, taking intelligent risks. And what I love about it is that um, every year we were, you know, LinkedIn was focusing on one of the core value. Um, and um, so during your year, you were focusing on that. There were themes, there were projects around that okay. to really, you know, embed that value within all the employees. 
Um, and like I said, uh, when I joined, it was 500 employees. When I left, it was 10,000. So oh can God. you imagine the growth every year and yeah. the, recruit, the pressure on the recruiter, uh, recruitment teams yeah. um, in terms of training, onboarding, and so on. So obviously, having the right culture and the right values and educating the employees around those uh, to, to have an alignment across the board was really super you know, critical. Yeah. And so taking the intelligent risk was a really good one because I had the entrepreneurship mindset uh, early on. I always dreamed about it. Um, I had this experience in, uh, in London and I always wanted to set my own business at some point. Um, but it's only when I, uh, there were those projects at LinkedIn that, for example, taking intelligent risk, they gave some guidelines around what it means to take that risk, yeah. Or what, an so, what risk what, might did be. The, what does it mean? Mm. What criteria do you use? How you know when it makes sense to make a bet? Is it too risky? Is it too safe? What is the what, the right criteria? Yeah. So it was really interesting because it also educated me. There are you know clarity and simplicity sometimes. That's 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 this this is amazing to get that exposure. Yeah. Just I wish. And when you talked about earlier on in terms of the entrepreneurs who right from school start their own business and then some others, they get into the corporate world. Again, it's based on the, the capability of learning from their own mistakes. Sometimes mm. people will get a lot more exposure to that knowledge and that experience from others rather than learning by themselves by making their own mistakes. No. Some people will need to make their own mistakes to learn. Some others will get a lot more value from getting into those companies with incredibly leadership teams, will actually give you simple, clear messages and knowledge and expertise and you know, experiences that you can get from yeah. and learn from at, at a much faster rate than if you were just by yourself with two other people who actually have no experience whatsoever fresh graduates and you learn by making those mistakes you see yeah. what i mean yeah, 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 yeah so it's really important to you know everyone has got different experience and has got different goals and different ways of getting there but i really feel actually again it depends but i really feel having a blend of you know some people might start from from uh, you know fresh graduates from school but they will build uh, mentors. They will build a network of mentors yeah. they can rely on and they can learn from. Yeah. Some people won't. Some people will go to a corporate world or McKinsey and they will learn in two years as much as someone else who could learn in 10 years. True, yeah. So, and then they will start their own business. Yeah. So it, it, it really varies. Yeah, it's very subjective, but I think you, you like hit the nail on the head about mistakes and experiences. And coming back to that question that we were talking about earlier, I think that path, it just comes down to you as the person, do you want to learn and make mistakes under someone else's umbrella where there's a system in place for you that you can learn from and you can grow and then take care of and something. safer as well. Of course, yeah, no liability on yourself, that's for sure. And Or do you want to like be thrown into the fire and like figure it out yourself? You're going to learn both ways, but like you said, I think experience does come down to your ability to not only make mistakes, but make them quickly and learn and grow from them as, as fast as possible. And that's what gives you the experience for the future. No, I think that's an amazing way to look at it. I never looked at it from that perspective. So thank you. That's very interesting. Uh, Guillaume, for my last two questions, I wanted to ask you, first of all, you've been going with Extra Mile right now for a year and you always wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? So now that you've been an entrepreneur for a year with your own business, 
What is something that you've learned about entrepreneurship that you were not aware of before you started your own business? Hmm. I don't know, actually. Um, there's a... I mean, you know, everything I kind of learned or figured out, I kind of knew about it. Mm. Um, there's nothing some, There's nothing that was kind of like, wow, like, like a big shock. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my God, I, I, I had no idea about that. Um, you know, so I set up my own business in London and obviously through LinkedIn and hypergrowth. And what I'm doing in, at, the, at the moment is not something new. I mean, I... I've been in that space for years, so um, I think, uh, yeah, not, nothing really stand out. Nothing, sta nothing really stands out. Is there anything small that maybe you didn't, you maybe had an idea about, but now running it yourself, you're like, okay, that's interesting. Maybe it's not specifically like what I've had in my experience. No, I think um, you have to try, you have to jump, jump in, you have to adapt quickly. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things is that I'm t I tend to be not perfectionist, but I tend to really like to get into the details of things. Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, when you set up your business, you need to prioritize and you need to be satisfied with maybe 80%. Okay. Um, something I read recently that, you know, your 80% might be looking at 100% to other people. Yeah. Because you know about it, you get into the detail and you build from scratch. So it looks like there's so much you can improve. And that 20% of improvement to reach to that ideal kind of vision that you have might take hours or days, yeah. you know, yeah. extra. When actually you can just cut it out, cut it, 80% is fine. And then to other people, it would look like perfection, perfection. Or great. Mm -hmm. So I think just, you know, trying to get to that 80% and, and, you know, be comfortable uh, with getting it. it, getting, yeah, getting ship, shipping it, like they say in, yeah. in, in, in development, but, and, and being okay with it and then just moving on is, is something that, um, you know, is, is really important, I think. Yeah. Um, and I need to, I need to focus on that. Yeah. So learning to basically, correct me if I'm wrong, learning to be slightly more efficient and just optimizing, you know, what you have to, you know. And being happy with 80%. Exactly, so when you yeah. get that, that point, you just move on and you get it, you get it done and then you don't waste your time on, on, on the, the perfections. Level. Exactly. Yeah. And for the last question, uh, what would you like for the future of Extra Mile in the next five years? Where do you want it to be? So, well, it's going to be like... Uh, relatively basic but my my, my vision is uh, uh, to grow the business so it's a sustainable business it had it really had values to other current clients um, having clients that are loyal that are happy that are um, referring me to other customers it actually shows that you know you know when they are you are at that point that means that you've done a good job yeah um, so just having a really great uh, business with great clients, happy clients, uh, great people, great team, um, and ideally in Middle East. Yeah. Um, and maybe expanding somewhere else, we will see. But, uh, you know, it's a very long, a long shot so far. Yeah. Just trying to grow is, a, is, a, is a, you know, uh, it would be amazing. So yeah. that's the goal. And obviously, you know, um, we will see later. Um, 
Yeah, and I think what you said uh, is really like, is what it's all about is yes, growing the business, but growing it with happy customers and gen truly adding value to you know, their businesses and helping them be successful because it, and building, like you said, the correct teams because that's what comes down to the end of the day. Yeah, you need yeah. people to grow. This right? is very difficult to be yeah. honest. Yeah. This is, you know, um, and I think, you know, I'm really thankful about the LinkedIn experience again because of the, uh, the focus they had on people, uh, on the culture. And uh, very early on, when you are 500 employees and you're growing at the rate of LinkedIn at the time and having the leadership team they had and, and nailing the culture very early on and they kept the culture throughout. Yeah, throughout. Mm. Um, and it's, it really makes them unique. And that's, that culture, obviously, at the time, it was very... Um, um, innovative in a way but uh, when it comes to Silicon Valley maybe it you know other companies had the same uh, uh, you know strategies and priorities as well yeah. but uh, for me coming from France or in the UK and working in a startup like LinkedIn and having uh, such a mature and thought through uh, culture and values were really amazing yeah. and obviously being surrounded by so many talented people was also really eye-opening so you can really see the focus on recruitment, the focus on interviewing, the focus on onboarding, the focus on culture, and you can see that um, it makes a whole whole difference. Yeah. So this is something that I hope to build as well, build as well with my own with my own business. Yeah, and like you said, culture I think is one of the most important things in the success of any business because, and like you said, the. Because a lot of, in my experience, what I've seen is a lot of times as businesses grow, the culture that you started with is lost typically. So the fact that they were able to keep it going from 500 to 10,000, that's pretty special. And I think if if you can replicate that with your business, I think you're going to 100% be successful. So Yeah, I don't think fun. it's going to be 10,000, but... Uh, you don't need, need 10,000. Yeah, exactly. Right? You don't necessarily <laughs> need 10,000. And uh, so, Guillaume, thank you so much for your time today and for coming on the show. I've loved our conversation and I really learned a lot from it about, you know, like social strategy and LinkedIn. And I think anyone listening to this right now can take something away from it that can help them either get a job or like start thinking about social selling or LinkedIn. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Khaled. For my last uh, question that I ask all my guests is what is the message that you'd like people to take home with them today? So, so my last bit of advice would yeah. be, um, like everything in life, uh, being persistent and being consistent uh, makes a big difference. So when it comes to, you know, social selling or even LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is such a valuable platform for everybody. Yeah. Um, people looking for jobs, young professionals looking for internships or looking for mentorship, um, people already in jobs like sales professionals or recruiters or even executives uh, for networking, for creating their professional brand, for thought leadership, for research information, for looking for their next dream job. You know, um, it, it's it not really focusing on the instant gratification, but really focusing on long term. Okay. And... Um, being, you know, setting up goals, planning and being consistent with it, learning from it and being persistent, especially on, on, on social media or LinkedIn. There are other social media platforms. I think if people could just 
maybe take 10% or 1% of the time they spend on all the social media platform and invest it in LinkedIn on a, on the consistent basis, they will get so much more value out of you know out of that, social yeah. media or for their for their own sake. That would be fantastic. So really thinking about it from a goal plan consistent perspective and thinking long term because most of the things that you get from LinkedIn you need to invest way ahead of time yeah and you know if you're looking for a job and you haven't invested in LinkedIn it's basically too late um, uh, if you need to be a, sal- a great salesperson but you haven't built a network um, it's it's a shame yeah so you really need to think about it build long term and uh, build your network build your online reputation ahead of time um, and think about long term and that's that's the that's the main you know if people kind of get that that would be great that would be great no i think that's great advice you know building your brand and using making the most of linkedin as a platform like you said i think it's a great example of taking just like 10 percent of the time we use on like instagram and like facebook and just investing it in that I think for a business perspective or just your personal brand for people to know who you are in the long, like you said, long term, because it does take that time, will pay off much more in the end. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Guillaume, thank you so much for your time today and for coming on the show. I really loved that conversation, man. Uh, to everyone listening at home, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, I hope it helps. Thank Peace. you. Bye. Thank you very much. <laughs>